Welcome to Gold with Jeanette Schneider, nuggets of inspiration for a bigger, badder, more purposeful life. Each week we share wisdom, insights, and gold from those living their very best lives. After 23 years in finance and a fancy SVP title, I left corporate America to advocate for women and girls in life, love, the boardroom, and the marketplace. Now the CEO of my own media company, my goal is to change the world for my daughter and her friends. My first book, Lore, Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, dropped late 2018 and is based on what women wish they would have known when they were girls. This is purposeful content, big conversations, and a safe place for us to share our goals and our dreams for the future. We record every week from the sound studio at The Space LV. Crystal Escobar has spent the last decade learning who she is as a mother, a wife, friend, blogger, woman, and Mormon. After much time soul searching, she's realized that in her journey to becoming authentically herself, the religion of her childhood no longer resonates with who she has become. Crystal discusses her transition of faith, the announcement that lost her thousands of followers, and the surprise that was her husband's own decision to leave the church at the same time. Crystal is the author of My Life as a Wannabe Balanced Mom and the host of the Wannabe Balanced Podcast. Crystal and I talk about the cultural and social implications of leaving the faith of your family and what it means to live your own truth. We dig into the emotional fallout when you lose your religion, the fear-based search for the absolute truth, and how to approach faith conversations with your children when you're still trying to understand your own. Let's dig in. I am so excited to introduce to gold today, Crystal Escobar. Thank you so much for being on my show. Hi, Jeanette. Thanks for having me. I am so excited. I um I wanted to to I love that you've written a book called My Life as a Wannabe Balanced Mom. And most people that follow me and um that listen to any of my podcasts know that I have I take issue with the word balance. So I wanted you on the on the show for a couple of reasons and we'll get into those. But I wanted to argue, I guess, a little bit about what balance means to other people. And I love what I read about like uh, with your book what is it like if you're, are you a good mom if you also have interests outside of the things that really make you like, I'm a good mother, that, that give you that identity? Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of talk to you about it today and, and find out when you dig deep into the word balance, what does that mean for you? Yeah, I know that's a, a loaded question because everyone has their different perspectives around the word balance and how do we have balance and is balance really something that we should be striving for and what I've learned in my almost 10 years of 10 years of blogging and doing all this online stuff which um, was born out of the desire to feel a little bit more at peace and calm and not so chaotic. When I first became a mom, it just felt like, holy cow, (laughs) how do I do all this? And how do I still find the time to do the things that I love to do? Or do I just have to give that up completely? Mm -hmm. So I just felt very conflicted when I, and it was a very huge shock for me. I didn't, I was so excited to become a mom and then I became a mom and it was just this huge wake up call. Like, oh, this is not as fun and enjoyable as I had dreamed it would be. (laughs) And I've definitely grown into that and found joy in motherhood, but it was not, it was not what I envisioned when I first became a mom. And so I just felt very, um, I felt like I had to really suppress a lot of the things that I wanted to do. And I felt like, okay, I guess that this is what happens when you become a mom. You pretty much have to 
lose yourself and put everything on the back burner and you just have to do it until your kids are grown and out of the house and then you'll have your life back again. So I could not tolerate the idea of going the next 20 years without doing things that I love to do. Mm -hmm. And so that's how my blog, my life as a want to be balanced mom or want to be balanced was, was born because I realized that, okay, I think I can do it. I think I can be a good mom and still pursue my passions, still do the things that I love to do, which is so much about personal development. And I just thrive on reading books and trying things and, and, and like in improving talents or f discovering my talents, things like that, that I just felt like that is just a lot to ask to put all that on the back burner until we're done raising our kids. So mm -hmm. that's why I thought I'm going to try to balance it all. I'm going to try to do both. And, um, but definitely my idea on the word balance or <laughs> striving for balance has evolved into a, an entirely different perspective. In the beginning, my um, quest for balance was more about how much can I get done in a day? It's mm -hmm. all about my accomplishments, checking off my list, and how can I um, put all the different things in my day that that would be qualified as balance, like mind, body, and soul, like doing the things for my kids, but also building, you know, learn, um, taking time to read and grow and then, you know, taking care of my body, all those things that I was trying to incorporate in my daily life. But then over time, everything has shifted and I have learned that balance is more of a state of mind than it is my to-do list and my accomplishments and how much time am I spending on this thing and how much time am I spending? Is everything balancing out? It's not like that anymore in my mind. The way I see it is more like it's more about managing your mind and your thoughts and feeling like a sense of peace and calm within. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily about like what you're doing externally, what you're doing. Yeah, no, I agree. And I, I love what you said about when you become a mom, right? And I, I don't think enough women say that. I referred to it recently as being like jumped into a gang. You have this image of the way it's supposed to be. And I imagined like the way I was just going to be this amazing mother who had this adorable stroller and this daughter who wore yes. a cute little ruffled butt, like, you know, uh, diaper covers. And she hated everything. She was colicky and she threw up on everything. And I was like, I can't leave the house. <laughs> like, it was funny because the expectation and the reality are two completely different things. And I don't think that maybe when I was having my daughter, we didn't talk about that as much. You know, it was more yeah. like, oh, it's the best thing that's ever happened to you. And it's the greatest love you'll ever know, which is true. But no one yeah. was just like, you're going to go nuts now. Like, this is going to be crazy. And especially if you have a colicky child, like, expect that you're mm -hmm. not going to get your mind back for like two years. Um, yeah. No one told me any of those things. So I 100% understand that. And I think what's really interesting for me is I love the way you correlate it to being a mindset, balance being a mindset. Because I think, and this is, I I believe where we've gone wrong as a society is we've created all these like gifts and memes that are like the talk about balance and how you have to achieve it. And you need to have, like you said, mind, body, soul, and you need to do this. And, and it becomes more of a checklist. Like mm -hmm. if I check all of these things off, then I've achieved balance, which just makes it this unattainable goal. 
And yeah. for me, it's always about having presence with each in yeah. each task, right? So it's like, am I being present with my daughter right now? Am I being present with my self-care? Am I being present with my partner in ways that are feeding the relationship and filling my soul? Because the worst thing is to have – I don't know about you, but like if I have a task list of things that I need to get done, the person that I'm with feels that task list. You know what I mean? They can tell yeah. that I'm anxious and I'm not I'm not fully with them because I've got this kind of energy against me of things that I need to accomplish. And I think that yeah, that's so like true. yeah, and it's and it takes over that kind of mindset that you want to have in all things. Um what does it look like like when you first started? I lo- I've loved blogging and I've loved um, storytelling and personal development and how sometimes being able to use your own story helps other people who don't necessarily have the words start to understand their lives a little bit better. Um, what was the shift like as you became a mom and you were still blogging? Did you find that your style changed or the way people kind of came to you shifted? Did you go from like I, some people started calling me a mommy blogger? I'm like, I don't think I'm a mommy blogger. Yeah. <laughs> like what was it? What was the shift for you? I think in the beginning, I really was trying to find myself. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy to think that even, you know, at the age I was when I became first became a mom that I still had no clue who I was. (laughs) I thought that I would just by the time I was married and was ready to be a mom, I thought I would have been to a place where I know who I am. Like, (laughs) I know exactly who I am. But it was definitely a lot of trying different things in the beginning and trying to see what fit for me. And in the beginning, I think I was doing a lot more of um, trying to do what other people were doing. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, that seems to be popular. That seems to be what people like. So I'm going to do that. And so I would just go, I would bounce back and forth to all these different kinds of things. And I don't even really know what my blog was about in the beginning, even though it was called balance or want to be balanced, but it just was like so scattered. And it's like, I don't even know what I'm trying to do here. (laughs) So tried to do like cooking and I tried to do uh, photography, you know, teaching these things through my blogs. And I just, nothing was really like clicking for me. It never really felt like this was my passion. Like I was never like, I would blog about photography and I'm like, this isn't me. This isn't my passion. Why am I blogging about this? And so, yeah, it was just a lot of um, discovering myself and who I am through the over the last decade that's really what it's been about and I feel like I've now am more clear than ever before who I am and and what I like and what I share and what I'm all about yeah it's interesting I had a woman on um recently her name's Amy Taylor Kibaz and she talks about and I didn't know this is actually a thing um they call it matrescence and it's actually a study that's like there's there's people who are actually studying this at Columbia University um where it's like what the changes a mother goes through to figure out who she is after she has a child it's like adolescence but it's for women for mothers it's matrescence and I was like that's fascinating oh my gosh that is interesting right because it's so true and that whole idea like who am I right I don't know who I am because my identity was a single woman and maybe even a single married woman who had a career who had a passion and now I have to raise these children and society has this kind of standard of what I'm supposed to look like and when she told me about that I was like that makes so much sense because I do feel – I remember blogging and putting stuff about – I was putting in a garden and, like, little recipes I was trying. And I'm like, this is not – like, exactly what you said. This is not me. Mm-hmm. This is not mm-hmm. my style. And I was like – it took me a while. How long do you think it took you after becoming a mom 
that you started to feel like, okay, here's my standard. Here's who I am in the mix of all of this. I think it's been literally uh, within the last two years. Mm. Suddenly so much has shifted over the last two years. And I really have um, honed in on what I'm passionate about. And it's taken me (laughs) that long. I've had all my kids and now my, my youngest is going into kindergarten. And so it's, it's taken a long time to get to this place. And this, but over the last two years I've grown the most and I've had the most like aha, like discovery moments of what I'm all about and becoming more authentically me. So I know you were talking about kind of the last two years and what you've, what you've been through, but I also understand um, you were raised in the Mormon church and have recently decided to transition. Like you've had a transition of faith and your story rung so deeply and resonated so deeply with me. Cause in my book, I mentioned that I was raised Jehovah's witness, but I don't really share it with my audience. I refer to it as being kind of a high control religion. Um, and when I was reading about that, I'm like, you know, I love that she's talking about her journey into becoming a balanced mom. She's talking about her journey from faith because I think that was another thing that was part of my identity so much was I was, you know, raised in this religion. I had this belief system that at some point in time I realized didn't feel like mine and I had to kind of decide what I was going to do with that. So I'm curious as to how that transition has been for you and what was the what was the kind of the spark or the conversation within you that made you say, I don't think that this is for me. Yeah. And I love that you and I have so much in common around this topic. For me, it was just finally opening up my eyes. I mean, just literally just reading books and realizing like, wait a minute, just starting to question more. I've always been taught to, to blindly follow, which they call faith, just have faith don't question and you don't need to have all the answers, which I can still agree with in in some ways, but you still have to educate yourself. You still have to learn. And I think that I was just taught for so long that you don't need to, um, you don't need to look outside of the church for, for knowledge. You can get it all within the church. And so I just did that my whole life. And then I just started reading other books and opening up my mind in that way and realizing that, wait a minute, this, this resonates more to me than my own church, than my own doctrine that I've, you know, thought that I was so passionate about. And I didn't understand how I could feel so conflicted and feel more drawn to other things and feel like I was growing more in the new things that I was learning as opposed to reading, reading my scriptures every single day, which is what we're taught. And it got so repetitive and monotonous in the church every Sunday and all the different things that we do as members, it just became so blah. I didn't feel like I was growing spiritually. And so that's where the question started stirring within me. And it was different for my husband, but surprisingly we have been on this journey together like 100% of the time and it's so cool how our stories are very different yet have aligned in so many ways and his questions were way different than mine his reasonings were way different than mine but we came together at the exact same time and and have made this decision to leave the religion at the exact same time and it's been really 
amazing experience for us in our marriage to do this together and to grow in that way. But yeah, for me, it was just more the questions about why am I drawn to other things more than to my own religion? It just, I didn't, I was like thinking, is there something wrong with me? Like, is this what the church calls the adversary or, you know, Satan working on me, trying to pull me away from the church? And I just began to open up my eyes and my mind and realize that, wait a minute, like, how could I possibly think that this is the one and only true church when the percentage of people in that church is so minute compared to the entire population of the world? So that was like the biggest aha moment. Like, wait, why did why did it take me 38 years to realize this, that God, almighty God is going to send down the truth and but yet only less than zero one percent is Mormon like that just didn't compute in my head. And I started to realize that that can't be from God. That can't be God's plan, that only this small amount of people are like the chosen ones. Everybody else is is not living right or has not yet discovered the truth. But yet they seem happy and they're living and they're doing things just fine. And there's so many inspiring people that have um, accomplished amazing things and are doing such great things for the world. And, but they don't have the truth, you know? So it just started to, those questions just started to come in my head and yeah. It's so funny because um, in the Jehovah's Witness faith, they refer to the religion as being the truth as well. And I'm sure most Mm -hmm. do. They, they have. Yeah. We all think we have the the one and only truth. Right. And it was, it was for me, it was really interesting because, um, and I wrote about this in my book. I remember very specifically um, sitting down, I was in trouble a lot <laughs> because I was very like, is this right? Is the Bible true? How do we know? Yeah. I'm a, I've always been um, someone to question. And I, I, I was very frustrating for, for my family. And um, I just accepted because it was more of cultural, right? This was what we believed and it was generational. And this is what our family was, was raised in. And I remember sitting down, I had just gotten in trouble again, and uh, an elder in our congregation was trying to reason with me, and he had a book, and he was going through, and we would read a paragraph, and then he'd ask me a question at the end of the paragraph to summarize the paragraph to make sure I was getting it. And we get to the end of the, the paragraph, he asked me the question, and I said, well, I was taught to believe this. And he doesn't realize the gift that he gave me. He closed the book, and he looked at me, and he said, Jeanette, you start every sentence with, I was taught to believe. Mm. what do you believe and I I I sat there and it was the first realization that I had no idea (laughs) and I was like I don't know he's like you need to do some soul searching because you're answering the questions correctly but you start each one in the same way and do you believe this and I was like I have no idea and I had never been like a hundred percent you know like Yes. Like I had never, everyone had talked about this deep relationship that they had with God and I had never felt that. And it started like almost like a decade long pilgrimage back to faith for me to figure out. Cause I remember going to, um, I went to St. Patrick's one time I was with a girlfriend of mine and her mother had said, if you go to St. Patrick's, make sure that you go in and pray. And she's like, come in with me. You don't have to do anything. Just, you know, I'm going to light a candle and whatever. And I just remember being like, I saw these people praying and being like, I wish I knew what they felt, right? Like you could see their deep faith and reverence. And I'm like, I have no idea what that feels like. Um, So to me, it was kind of like that same kind of thing. Like 
everyone around me believes that we have the truth, but I'm not connected into it. And then when I would start to do, during my pilgrimage, when I'd start to question other things and read other materials and something would hit me so deeply. And I was like, exactly what you said. Why is this resonating with me in a way that nothing else has? Yes. And I'm curious for you because this is something, and the reason that I wanted to talk to you about this is because I have a lot of questions from people. A lot of my work is uncovering old messaging, old storylines, old belief systems so that you can really get to the essence of who you are and what kind of valuable person you are, what kind of person of value you are without all the stuff you've been told. Well, when we get into that and people are reading my book, they're like, well, what if I've been told that this is the way to believe my entire life and I don't believe it? And I'm afraid of hurting my family. And that's a big thing, right? Because a lot of religions have the mindset, if you're not with us, you're against us. So Mm -hmm. I'm curious for you, as you started to make that transition of faith, what was the response? Did you go before your family and explain what was happening? Um, Are they supportive of you? What has been your experience? Yeah, that that is probably one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people will choose to just stay in the faith. I am so excited to finally announce what I am working on because it has been so hard not to talk about it. Today, Gold is brought to you by Live Media and I couldn't be more thrilled. Live is an app that will launch Christmas 2019. I have partnered with a team previously of Disney Pixar who wants so deeply to use tech for good and we're using tech for great. I have a special VIP experience built out and planned for my gold listeners. You guys have been on this journey with me, so I can't wait to introduce you to my baby. Through mindfulness and accountability offerings, including meditation, breathwork, intentional living routines, challenges, and lifestyle coaching, Liv will provide you with the tools, community, and support you need to live your very best life, leveling up in every aspect. Liv meets you where you are and grows with you. Each week, your Live Lab will be curated with talks, articles, meditations, visualizations, challenges, and support to help you move your goals forward in 90-day increments. At the end of 90 days, we will celebrate your accomplishments with you before assisting in selecting those goals you'd like to include in the next 90. Available to you at all times is a phone or chat session with an accountability coach, a master coach, or through an email submission to Dear Live so that we can support you every step of the way. Live is your lifestyle and productivity concierge a thoughtful guide, and an intuitive coach to help you get out of your own way, to create, to pay it forward, because a healthy you today means a healthier world tomorrow. Gold listeners will receive a free 30-day VIP experience. That means access to all of the bells and whistles by using code GOLDVIP, all caps, at loveisviral.com. Again, that is loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP, in all caps. Join the movement. Um, are they supportive of you? What has been your experience? Yeah, that is that is probably one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people will choose to just stay in the faith. Because when you're in, when you're part of a religion like this, which I'm sure is very similar to the Jehovah's Witnesses, that you are you are part of that tribe, and you have made these commitments and. If, like you said, if you're not for us or against us, there's no middle ground. There's no, that's okay. Go your own way. Like, just, just do what feels right for you. It's like, no, if anyone leaves, they, they want to get you back. They, they, they're after you. And it's, it's a difficult 
thing to be public about, which we chose to do about a year ago. This time is where I came out publicly on my podcast, which was it was more um, stressful doing that than it was to tell my own family. And I'll explain why. But I um, I my audience has my target audience has always been LDS moms. Mm you know, Mormon moms. And I felt like 90% of my audience was Mormon moms. And so for me to do that was the scariest thing I've ever done. But I didn't see there being any other way. Like, how could I continue my podcast and my blog and all this and hiding and and just pretending that uh, I'm not, I just for the sake of not ruffling feathers, like not offending anyone, I'm just going to pretend that I'm still Mormon, but that just didn't feel like I could do that. Like, what do I talk about? Like, I have to, I have to be so like careful and afraid of what to say and how to say it. How am I going to offend people? So I just made that decision that I have to just come out and, and tell people so that there's no expectations of me. They know it. If they don't like what I'm sharing, if they don't resonate with what I'm sharing, they don't have to listen anymore. I felt like it was only fair for me to do that for these women who have thought that I was, I, I've, I've been Mormon all these years and then I just needed to do that. But with my own family, it was not hard. With Sean's family, it was. But the reason why it wasn't hard for mine is because my mom had nine kids and I think only one of them is still in the church. Mm. And so I think it's just been like, I think it was a shocker for my mom because I was the only one that took it extremely serious. Mm -hmm. I went on a mission. I gave 18 months of my life in Germany, learned the German language. I spent 24 seven, um, preaching. And I know Jehovah's witnesses do that too, right? They go on, like they go abroad, right? They yeah. don't just go in their neighborhood to, to yeah, do missionary work. There's missionaries. I actually had a client one time, um, when I was in banking, um, he was a missionary, had been a Mormon missionary, and it was the first time I had told a client that I had been raised to have his witness, and he looked at me with the, he's like, oh my God, we used to run into you guys in like wherever <laughs> they were. He's like, we'd be like in the building next to you, we're all trying to convert. <laughs> and oh, that's funny. And we would just look at each other with this like knowing look like, man, it's hot. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was funny. Yes, Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I remember seeing Jehovah's Witnesses out as well. And uh, on my mission, but yeah, I devoted, I was 100% committed. I devoted m all of my time to it. Like it was everything to me. And, um, so it was, I think it was a huge shock for my mom because she was probably think so proud. Like I, at least I got one, like yeah. that's still in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I told, I told her, um, I waited, <laughs> I think I came out. No, I, I think I told all my sisters and then um, just waited till the very last minute to tell my mom. I almost was deciding to not tell my mom. I'm like, oh, she'll just she'll figure it out eventually. I don't need to have the conversation with her because, first of all, I'm not very close with my mom. We we talk maybe once a year. So mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like something that felt like a scary thing for me to do. It just wasn't a priority for me to tell her. And and then with Sean's family, it was very stressful um, for me and him because, you know, it, it's not like the family that I grew up with, but 
they also, I think, had this like pride around, oh my gosh, my our son yes. married a returned missionary. They got sealed in the temple and all their kids are getting baptized and they're temple worthy. And so I think they had a sense of pride around that. And so for me to be that let down, I was initially came to Sean and told him, I don't think I believe this anymore. And he at first was like a little shocked, but in his mind, he told me that he was like so excited, like finally we get to leave. Like finally, I don't have to do this anymore for the sake of my marriage and we can navigate this together and be open about it. So in his mind, he was excited that I came to him about my disbelief. But I think, um, we, you know, when he first told his family, he's like, you know, Crystal, we, you know, Crystal's the one that kind of brought me out and, which I am actually proud of. I'm not like feeling any shame around that, but I did feel like I hope that his parents aren't sad that he married me, you know, yeah. and sad for our kids and, you know, what the future holds for us, which I know they, they have gone through a lot of that and silently because they try to be respectful and loving and show that they still love and care about us. But we know what they're saying behind our backs, you know, that we know that they're talking with his siblings and they're all like talking about us because we've been so public on social media and we're not afraid to share like our thoughts and our beliefs and what we've discovered. We just feel like we owe it to the people who are also questioning we don't want to be the people that hide because we know there's so many people that are thinking and feeling the exact same way as us. So it's not about trying to pull the people that are in and loving it. It's not about trying to pull those ones out. It's about helping those that are going through the exact same thing as us. So that's why we feel called to be so vocal on social media because there are so many people that like, I love how you explained that earlier, like the a blog can be a way to it's like you it's all that self-expression ex that helps others who have not yet found the words to do so or the courage to do so so i think that by you going first you know you you help others along because they don't know how to explain how they're feeling or they don't they're afraid to talk about it with anybody so it's just a, a way to pave the way for others and yes. to go first so that others can follow and to make it a little less challenging for those who really need to make some changes and want to make some changes but don't know where to start. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's – I think any time that you can provide someone with – I think in the past we lived in silos, right? And we had a tendency to believe that we were the only one. And like the idea that you and your husband – I was going to even ask you like because I couldn't imagine if I had been in a, a, a witnessed marriage and I went to my significant other and said, I don't know that this is what I believe. I can only imagine if he was still extremely faithful, like what that would have created, right? The issue that yeah. that could have created. And so like when you can provide some kind of um, reflection point or, or a perspective for someone who's so ingrained and so caught up in the lifestyle and the fear and the there is shame if you don't if you don't believe in the same thing or you don't feel as worthy or you don't feel as godly until you start to actually establish those beliefs outside of it and you get a little bit stronger, right? And you're like, wait a minute, I have to stand up for myself and I have to say like this doesn't resonate with me. And here's the thing that's crazy. I think religion is a beautiful thing. I think it's beautiful that a bunch of people can be in the same room and we all have different viewpoints of how we got there. We mm -hmm. all think in some way or shape or form we need to get back to God, but we have different viewpoints of how we're going to get there. And I do think that in a lot of ways it provides people with community that they need. 
absolutely 100%. But I also think that, just like you said, not any one religion can be the true religion. You can't have all of these different groups of men who have their own expectations of what the Bible has said or whatever they're basing their belief systems on and saying everyone else is wrong and either going to die or going to perish or going to hell or going wherever they're going because of this chosen group of people that live in this specific region. Um, I just have a really hard time with that. And one of the, I have two questions that as you were talking popped into mind. First of all, how, how did the Mormon moms handle the announcement? Did you experience any kind of drop off in your following or do you think that it just shifted your audience? That's the first question. Let's start with that one. Yes, I definitely lost thousands of followers, but I was totally okay with losing the followers. What the, the most challenging part for me was receiving the the disappointing emails, like the disappointment that I that I was in others. You know, yeah. like people were not afraid to give me negative reviews, were not afraid to send me emails and not only um express their disappointment, but also express you know, lots of people would share these like scary stories with me, which was not something that I could tolerate in the beginning. It was already a scary enough thing for me to make this big leap into the unknown. It was so scary to do this, but I felt like it was the only way and I had to do it. But people would, you know, share the, their like testimonies with me. Like, you don't want to go down this road. Oh my gosh, I did it once. And this is what happened. And I lost my marriage and everything fell apart. And so I would get emails like this, like causing, instilling fear in me, like, don't leave because this is what's going to happen to you. And it freaked me out because that's what we're taught in our religion. And I'm sure it's very similar to yours that if you leave, your life will fall apart. God won't bless you. He will be d- disappointed in you. You won't. Things will not be pleasant for your for you in your life if you leave the fold. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was scary for people to send me those emails. I had to like I would got to a point where I just couldn't even read them anymore, and I had to have my husband filter my emails because it was so um, triggering for me, and it was so I was in such a vulnerable like state a year ago that I could not, I had to be so careful with what I read and who I allowed it to, to talk to me because it was so new and scary. And I was, did not have that confidence yet that I do have now that everything's going to be okay. I worried that, oh my gosh, things are going to fall apart. I did, I made the wrong choice. You know, like this is so scary. I don't know anything anymore. I don't know what's true. I didn't know anything. And I realized now that that was such an important piece to, to get to where I am now. So I'm happy for it, but it was the scariest thing I've ever experienced to, to make that leap. But people weren't nice and I was not in a place where I could handle it in that in that state that I was in. So I had to stop reading things and I had to just I had to back off a little bit. I think the first few episodes after that initial one where I came out and told everybody I was like, okay, now I'm just going to go back to normal life. I'm going to just share like personal development topics. And so like, I think I tried a few, just tried to be more like, okay, we're not going to talk about this every time. But then I just couldn't stop talking about it. And I just decided, okay, I don't care. I'm just going to go with this. My podcast is now going to be about my faith transition. And I don't even care. This is like so therapeutic for me. I know there's people that need it. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. And that's 
what I did. <laughs> well, and I think that's what I've I've it's so funny. I've talked to my producer about this. I'm like, I've noticed that whatever I'm dealing with in my personal life shows up in my podcast. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah. like whatever you're thinking about, whatever is like on your mind kind of shows up. It, it it's just the way it is. It it filters through. And yeah. I I love podcasting. It's been one of the most fun things that I've ever done because I just I'm I, I'm a conversationalist. I love talking and relating. Yeah. And so it's just kind of funny how that happens. The other question that I have for you and I think this is the the one that was interesting for me because um, I had already decided that um, the Jehovah's Witness faith wasn't, it didn't resonate, right? And that I had beliefs that were outside of that, that it was, it was a very different kind of experience, I think, because I kind of quietly went away to go figure things out. And I spent a long time and I've studied a lot of different religions and a lot of different faith practices. And if you were in my house and you were to look at my bookshelf, I would not make sense to you. Um, <laughs> because I will buy a book and, and I may not even agree with the book, but I will read it to understand a perspective, right? So I just really awesome. was like, let me just absorb as much as I can about what's out there and available in the world. And then I will start to form my own ideas. I didn't attach to anybody else's. But then when I had my daughter, my ex-husband was raised Catholic. Um, he is atheist, doesn't believe in anything. Um, and I was, I don't, I don't know what you would call me anymore. Like I have a personal relationship with God. That's how I feel. Like someone asked me the other day, do you mm -hmm. identify as being Christian? And I was like, I don't want to identify with being anything anymore. I would like, I have yeah. a personal relationship with my faith. I One of the things that I pray and I'm thankful for is that I have a personal relationship and that I have found faith for the first time because I did not have faith. And I love my relationship. I love that I have a personal faith-based relationship. But I also, it's it's been hard for me to figure out how to talk to my daughter about religion and faith. And so and my ex-husband, because he has no kind of – he's like, I don't want her to be like me and be all cynical. He's like, so you're kind of in charge. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> you decide what she believes. And so I got to this place where I started saying, like, here are the options, right? Here is mm – -hmm. this is Catholicism. This is what your grandmother believes on dad's side. This is what my parents believe on the Jehovah's Witness side. This is what your friend over here believes. This is our Jewish friend. This is our so-and-so. And – they all have different beliefs and religion is kind of like a rapper and you can, I want her to start really kind of saying like what feels good to me, right? What resonates? And then I would share something with her and she's like, well, I don't like that. I'm like, how does it feel in your heart? She goes, my heart doesn't like that. I'm like, then that's your belief, right? Mm, so like good. I try, I've had to be very conscientious because I'm like, I don't want to feed her my esoteric belief system now, right? That has, mm -hmm. is true for me because I don't want to, her to be in the same position that I was. I'm just so curious, like with you and your husband, when you talk about your children and to your children about your faith transition, what has that looked like and what is it going to look like on a go forward? Well, yeah, that's a good point. And that's something that it's been uh, a challenge over the last year, but I think we've kind of come to a good understanding of where we're headed as far as what we teach our kids at this point. But at first, like, you lose your religion and then everything seems to go with it. Like the Bible, Jesus Christ, it all just kind of seems to go with it. And not saying that I don't believe in Jesus Christ anymore. I just don't know. And I'm okay mm -hmm. with saying I don't know. But um, 
I've decided that I can take parts of what I like about the story of Jesus Christ and I'll, and I'll leave what I don't. And that's what, that's what we want to teach our kids. We want to give our kids all the facts, you know, we want to teach them about our experience in the church and, and what the church believes and the, the truth, the truth that we have discovered about the church that we weren't aware of all these years because we were too afraid to look elsewhere. So we've discovered so much about the history of the church and have realized based on mounds and mounds of evidence that it's just a good story. And if you want to be part of that religion and, and be aware that the truth claims are not true, they're just stories like the Santa Claus story. So be in the religion, just be aware that it's not literally true, but it could be inspiring to you if that's what you choose. So I just want our kids to be aware of all those types of things in life and how, how religion is started and why people like religion and, and how if you do like religion, just be aware that not everything they share is literally true. So you have to just have an open mind. I love what Wayne Dyer says, be open to everything, but attached to nothing. Mm, And then my husband, Sean has such a good perspective and he's really taught me to, to think more in these terms because at first I was like, no, no, we got to find answers. There's got to be truth. I got to find it. And I'm like searching and searching, searching, trying to find truth. And that there has to be this absolute truth that somebody has discovered. And I realized that nobody really does know. We all (laughs) speculate. We all want to believe something after in something that, you know, after we die and everybody has their different (laughs) ways of describing it. Even people that have had near death experiences, because that was a phase that I went through after leaving the church. Okay. Well, maybe these people that have experienced the near death experience, they know, maybe they have the answers, but every story was, you know, very similar, but also a lot of things that were different. I'm like, well then, okay, those are different, you know? So everybody has different ways of describing things. And that's what I had to come to terms with that. There could be a one, there could be truth that is like definitive truth, but everybody describes it differently. So how are we going to decide what is truth? If somebody wants to describe Jesus in this way, but I describe it in a different way, then we're, we're arguing when maybe we're still talking about the exact same thing. Yes. We just are seeing it differently. So I like Sean. Sean's way of living is why don't we just get comfortable saying, I don't know. Maybe that's the purpose of life is, is to truly have faith that I don't know, but I'm going to just trust that everything is going to turn out just great and that there is a purpose. I'm going to trust that this whole life here on earth is not just random that it it means something and so it's more just about like trusting in this whole process and we'll figure it out (laughs) I love that and I think that that's so it's and I've, I've shared that with people before like I'm okay not knowing yeah I'm okay not knowing if the answers are so formulated and marketed and in and black and white and specifics that fits a specific angle right and like you said, you can have a bunch of people that come to the, you could be arguing about the same thing, but because of just your lens or your culture or your background or just the region where you were born, you have a different perspective on it. And I think mm-hmm. that's where I've gotten where I look at religion as being beautiful um, in its complexity. I think the man-made aspect of it is concerning. And I was sharing with you before we got started 
my grandfather was a Jehovah's Witness minister. He kind of started the religion in our, he was one of the initial elders that started um, the congregation where we were and raised 10 children, all of who were Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, my grandfather, or my dad was an elder. Everybody was, we were very much in, in the religion and it was beaten to us. Well, right before my grandfather passed, I was in trouble once again. <laughs> yeah. And I went to him and I was just like, I, I wanted to see him. I was getting ready to move away. I, I came back, but by the time I came back, he had Alzheimer's. So while he was still lucid, um, I went to his house one time and I had I'd been kind of in trouble again. And I was sitting at his kitchen t- uh, table and I was kind of talking about what was happening and how I was in trouble and the elders and this and I think I was embarrassed but I loved him so much and I respected him so much and I was so appreciative that he would kind of take an audience with me because I felt like so ashamed um and he said they're just men little one find your own way and that just mm. like blew my mind right yeah. that this man for multiple generations has raised us in this very specific way but at the end of his life when Alzheimer's is knocking poor health is coming he's got issues he's like Jeanette they're just mm. men and I and it, and it really created a perspective too that a lot of times the way that we are taught rule-based organized whether it's religion cultural expectations social appropriateness whatever it's to keep us safe and keep us in this box and to make sure that we're okay but when you get to the end of your life, many times you look back and you're kind of like, man, was that really <laughs> like, did that, was that as important? Um, yeah. And it was just really fascinating for me. And I think it, it didn't give me permission, but it gave me a different perspective to kind of say, okay, I'm going to be okay with the idea that I don't need to know everything. And that mm-hmm. I know that when I have my daughter, I want her to know that there's, there's a lot of good in faith, but I would like for her to have the same kind of relationship with her higher power that I do now, because that to me is just a beautiful thing in comparison with, with the way I was afraid of God before. I would almost be embarrassed to go to God in prayer because I didn't yeah. feel worthy. Yeah. And, and that made me remember how, when I do talk to my kids, like, how do I, um, share my perspective in a way that doesn't come across as this is truth. You have to agree with me. So I'm, I'm trying to navigate that right now. You know, and you made me think of prayer. Like, how do we talk about prayer? And should I teach her to pray? And how do I teach her to pray? Or can have a connection with the divine or the universe, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. But I think um, what I've discovered and what feels right for me is to state everything as, what if this is this is it, what it is, or, or, you know, you can pray in all different ways. Like you can decide what works for you. And so mm-hmm. like the other day I was just, um, cause we've talked a little bit about reincarnation. I find it fascinating. I like it. I like the idea of it, but I'm never going to say, I believe in it 100%. I'm just going to say, what if reincarnation was a thing? What if we do come back and what if we've lived other lives before? And, or like, what if, is this is like a video game? What if we're like avatars? You know, what if it's like the movie Avatar and we like are are asleep in these pods and then we go down into this earth and we put on the suit and 
this bodysuit and we just play this game and try to um, figure out the riddle of life, you know, try to beat the game. And, and, and then we suddenly we wake up and, and we're like, oh my gosh, we totally thought that was real. That was like, so like, we thought that that was real. And how funny is that? And so I just like to imagine with my kids and think, what if it was like this? Like, what do you think? What if, what if this is what happens after we die? Or what if this is the purpose of life? Those types of ways of of just approaching it. Yeah, it's really interesting that you brought up reincarnation because my daughter, I didn't believe in reincarnation until I had her because um, I was holding her in her nursery when she was a toddler and trying to get her to sleep. And she's, she's very talkative when it's time for her to go to sleep. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, go to bed. And she was like, mommy, do you remember last time when I was your mom and you and daddy were my children? And I was like, uh, what? Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's had, so cool. We had a couple of conversations like that. She's like, yeah, that one time you were born and you had that red mark on your forehead. And um, Whoa. her dad actually brought it up to me recently. She's eight now. And he's he had just read a book, um, Many Lives, Many Masters. And he, being atheist, he has no beliefs, right? And so like, but he, mm-hmm. he keeps, I think he's struck by the fact, he's like, do you remember her bringing up past lives before she could even understand conceptually what she was talking about? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I was like, it was the first time that I started saying, okay, maybe there's something here if my child mm-hmm. is remembering when she was my mother. And so he's, he, and and again, it's like you said, it's not like this is the way it is, but it's like, I am open to possibility. I am open to the idea that we don't have all the answers and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And it feels good to be open to stuff because I I realized how close-minded I was to so many different ways of seeing things and I would just automatically shut it down. Nope. No, that's not true. But I just like now this way of being that I can just be open to that. And it's so fun to imagine it or to just embrace it if it feels good to me and but not have to push it on anybody else and be like, you know what? It is true because here's here's the facts, you know, like it's been (laughs) it's been proven. Like I don't need to pull out scientific anything or proof because it just it doesn't matter it's just we just get to choose what resonates with us and what feels good in this life it's about being present and just enjoying the now and not trying to figure out all the answers and knowing what happens after we die because how about we just enjoy how we're feeling right now in the moment and just yeah only bring in what feels good to you yeah I love that I want to ask you a couple questions I ask everyone um, based on everything that you know and your life experiences, especially since you've had so much transition, um, if you were to look at a younger version of yourself now, what would you say to her? I would definitely try to teach her or guide her or direct her to books and information that that show her how to look more within instead of be so caught up in externally looking outward on what, it, what are people going to think of me? Is this what I'm supposed to do? What is everybody else doing? Okay, I should probably do that. I really, I realize now how much I was looking outward at what other people were doing and then deciding, okay, that's what I should be doing because that's what the majority of people are doing. Mm-hmm. And living in Utah where the majority of people are Mormon, it's like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to be Mormon just because the majority rules in every case for me growing up. And a lot of people are going on missions. So I'm like, I guess I better go on a mission if, if I want to be a good person, if I want to fit in. And I just wish that I could tell my younger self that, you know what, there are other ways. You do not have to follow the masses. And you may not even know what the masses are because you're in this little bubble. Mm-hmm. Like, go travel. 
read some books <laughs> experience life oh i love it yeah if you were to leave behind any gold nuggets of wisdom or inspiration for the next generation something that you'd want to be kind of like your legacy wisdom if you were to leave this earth what would it be I would say read Eckhart Tolle's books. <laughs> he has really taught me so much. And if I could implement everything that he teaches, mm -hmm. I think people would be a lot better off. So I just think he's so wise. And I, in my mind, he is my modern day Jesus. And he teaches how to be enlightened and to, um, to get to a place of pure peace mm -hmm. and leaving behind your ego being in the present moment, all those types of things that are so powerful as I've been trying to implement them, them into my life. I love that. I, love, I, I saw him speak a couple of times at, at various Oprah events and um, it's, it's next level. I, I read a couple of his books and I'm just like, if I could just remember to do this. <laughs> I know. That's I'm like, basis. that's going to be my new Bible. I'm going to read this every day because he is on to something. He yeah. knows how to get to a place of of peace. And that's what we're all searching for. Like, how do we feel peace? Yeah. How do we feel like we have a purpose? Mm -hmm. Peace and purpose. That's absolutely, yeah. I love that. Big words. I want to thank you so much for being willing to come on and share not only your gold, but a, a, just such a big topic that I just, when I saw your, your Instagram, I was like, we have to talk. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on gold. If people want to follow you, where can they find you? Um, want to be balanced everywhere at want to be balanced. You can find me. I love want to be balanced.com everywhere. <laughs> I love it. And listeners check out our podcast. Thank you so much, Crystal, for all of your, for your gold. Thank you for being on the podcast today. Yes. Thank you so much, Jeanette. Thank you so much for listening today. I love Crystal's vulnerability and reminder to be open to all things. You can find Crystal on Instagram at want to be balanced. As always, please subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and don't forget to share with your friends. Gold listeners, don't forget to sign up for your 30-day Live VIP experience at loveisviral.com, code GOLDVIP in all caps. Get deep in the work with me to uncover your messaging before you pass it on to your children or the people you influence. Pick up my new book, Lower Harnessing Your Past to Create Your Future, available on Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. Until next time, in the words of my grandma, love each other every day.